Hi, everybody, and welcome, welcome to Kremlin File. And we are welcoming Kareen Orlova. Hello, Kareen. Hi, hi, guys. You can call me Karina. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay that's familiar. great. Yeah, I have a, sto- okay, a backstory that might be relevant today. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell, uh, tell you more about it in the, in the end of our program. Okay, great, great. I just want to remind everyone that in season one of Kremlin File, uh, Karina was here with us, a journalist and correspondent, um, and she talked with us about the Russian dissidents uh, just before, if everybody remembers, the September 2021. Oh, that, yeah, it was the Duma elections. And re- That's yeah. right. The Duma elections. Perfect. Exactly. Uh, so today we're catching up, okay, with Karina on what is happening now inside Russia. Well, I luckily and happily, I'm outside of Russia now and has been for the past seven years. So when the war started, uh, I was in, I went on CNN. I was invited to, you know, talk about Echo of Moscow, of course, because it was shut down yeah. too. And um, um, the um, uh, host, um, the anchor, asked me um, about, you know, uh, like, um, she asked me something like, how do Russian people get information? They're like completely isolated now with Echo being shut down. And I said to her back then, it was quite shocking. And that was a very unpopular opinion, which has changed. But I said back then that, well, I have to tell you, Something that is very sad, but that is true. Um, on February 24th, just the very for, uh, first day of uh, Russian uh, Russia starting bombing Ukraine, there were people. There were we saw all the, we all saw those pictures of Russians um, r- uh, running to the ATMs, standing in lines for hours to withdraw cash, to withdraw foreign currency to get some foreign currency then they started you know hoarding up uh in grocery stores to buy up um uh, groceries and the question is so how the hell did they know back then on february 24th when there were no sanctions yet that's very important because of course you know within the following week the west has uh, like introduced uh you know, like insane sanctions in a good way, like, you know, but insane because unprecedented, right? Um, But nobody could even imagine uh, that the scale would be that. So, but how come those Russians knew that they need to go to the ATM to withdraw cash and to get some foreign currency? The only, the only way they could know is that they knew that the war started, that Russia started something so horrible that it would be, you know, punished Mm -hmm. uh, appropriately. And uh, I remember, you know, uh, uh, a look of, uh, like a surprised look in the eyes of of the host. Uh, But she then, you know, told me um, during the commercial pause that, yeah, it's actually, it it makes sense, right? The ATM doesn't lie, she said. And that's true. And so what, uh, like my point is, (laughs) to cut a long story short, that, I am absolutely sure that those polls that come out of, yes, the Kremlin-owned, the state-owned yeah. pollsters, independent pollsters too, like Maxim Katz, and his, uh, he's an independent uh, opposition, you know, politician, and they ran, they ran a poll with, with a, a friend of, like a colleague of his, and 
another polls, a CNN poll, and there was another a European um, organization that ran a poll. They all show the same, and the support has been growing. Uh, Daniel Granin, I, I don't know if you know him, he's a mm -hmm. Soviet, uh, like a, you know, a dissident uh, writer. So he, someone posted a, a part of his writing, and there was the story was that he went to visit uh, the Buchenwald, the Buchenwald uh, concentration camp in Germany near Weimar, Weimar, one of the worst concentration camps where the Nazi uh, burned Jewish people, like literal. Mm -hmm. And um, he said that he noticed that the crematoriums were uh, placed really, really close to a, a town nearby, like out, just outside yeah. the town, like re really close. And he then uh, realized that it was impossible not to see the smoke coming out of these yeah. crematoriums. Yeah. And then when he yeah. went to a uh, grocery store and asked for a glass of water, he asked the, the, the lady that was there serving the water, if, you know, how was it, you know? back then uh, to be near those uh, the concentration camp. And she said, oh, no, uh, we didn't see anything. And he then said, well, uh, but uh, mm -hmm. th there was the fume coming out. It was impossible to not see the fume. Yeah. You know yeah. what she said? Yeah. She said, but we looked the other way. We didn't see anything. We looked the other way. And then Daniel Grinan writes, right. but then I realized to be able to look the other way, one had to know which way not to look. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So this is just yep. to say what's going on yeah. in Russia. Yeah. To not know what's going on in Ukraine, you have to deliberately not, you we know, choose not way. to read yeah, not look that, that part of direction. Of that part of yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. No, what I'm saying, and of course, you know, it goes without saying that um, on State TV, the propagandist, TV channels or media, they don't tell you about the economic hardship. So you won't know that, you know, you, you need to buy foreign currency, that the rubles, that the ruble is going right. down and stuff. So you have to seek that information somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. That is okay. very true. That's a very good because, point. Yeah. Actually, I was going to ask you because, you know, one another thing, looking at the polls, the latest Levada center polls mm -hmm. and stuff like that, and also you're telling me the independence, Putin's actual approval rate has increased, yeah. no? And that's what they're, that's what they're saying. Do you find that yeah. or not? Yeah, I'm absolutely sure. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, I, it is true. And I also think that, do you remember those notorious uh, 86% to 14? So when Putin got his in 2012, right, when he was reelected, mm -hmm. um, that yeah. he got his 86% and they were like 14%. And so, so since then, we've been saying, you know, this 86% of the Putin's majority. And nobody actually believed that that number was true. And, you know, if you listen to opposition politicians, of course, it's their like job, you know, to say that, no, Putin does not have massive support. And I, honestly, I myself did not believe that the Russians were so truly inoculated, you know, with this doctrine of Putin, of the, the of, um, um, with this fascism. I also thought that, well, they support Putin because it, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it fits their lifestyle. It suits them. It's comfortable. It's, you know, to their uh, mm -hmm. advantage. Uh, but they don't actually believe it or they don't actually, you know, feel anything. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. but it's not true. Well, yeah. I was wrong. Um, and yes, I was wrong. And I should have known better because if you look at like what Russians are doing in Ukraine today is horrible. It is yeah. atrocity, right? But if you look yeah. at the Russian interior news, the past, I don't know, decades, de mm -hmm. okay, let's take one mm -hmm. decade, those tortures in uh, Russian prisons, like unimaginable, right? Saying on a daily basis, every prison has a torture system established inside. And if you look at, um, I don't know, news, just regular news, you know, a drunk mother killed their uh, her daughter or like, you know, killed two daughters or a lover of a Russian mother with three children killed uh, the children and then the mother and, or like killed the children and the mother chose not to, you know, report him to the police or something like, you know, some horrible things or like teenagers um, killing people just for $2. So it is... It is crazy, but the news have been there forever. And what's like the yeah. Russians are all, all in Ukraine, they're not doing something extraordinary by their own standards. They only do what they know, you know, what they know. It's, um, you know, killing, uh, burglaring, right? Bur burglary, mm -hmm. um, theft. Eluding. Uh, and yeah. what? Um, and rape? Rape. Oh, rape, of course. And rape, 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 rape is big part yeah. of Russian culture. So yeah, yeah. So okay, what's going on is horrible, but only to a Western, you know, or to a stranger, uh, stranger's okay. eye, not to a Russian eye. We have to be, you know, honest about it. Okay. That's what Russia is. And so when I, so do you know what uh, the, the feedback that I receive now nowadays today from you know people who know me and who read me on my Telegram channel or, you know, on Facebook, they say, well, I thought before that you were exaggerating and you were like a little bit too much. And people, sometimes they would, you know, call me a radical or you know, like, oh, Karina, this is too much. But now they tell me, we like realize that you've underestimated what's going on. You were like, you know, too soft on, yeah. on, on Russia, yeah. Russians. Yeah. Sorry. I, I mean, yeah. I have no, yeah. no, <laughs> no, uh, yeah. like, um, I don't feel okay, for the Russian people. Yeah. Sorry. It's, yeah, no loyalty. No. Yeah. No, no absolutely. No, and, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's, um, it's, it's something, you know, like the West and even Western media, like for the past, since this, these atrocities have been coming out, they've been trying to solely put it on Putin, his regime. Yeah. yeah. You can, like, there is no military doctrine that tells these soldiers to walk into towns, to rape three-year-old kids, to execute yeah. families, to yeah. burn women alive after raping them. That, that's not a military doctrine. That's coming from something inside that's of right. you. So the problem is much bigger than Putin, much bigger than his regime. Yeah. And, you know, and if, we eventually do get rid of Putin before the West starts dealing with Russia. They really have to understand what is happening there and, and that inner side, because I mean, what we're seeing, the, you know, no military doctrine was signed to say, go and rape three-year-old kids, five-year-old yeah. kids. Yeah. There That's is right. not. 
This is no. coming naturally, that's right. That's naturally right. from people who are coming mm-hmm. in. Yeah. And I mean, I don't yeah. even understand, you know, who raised this, how they were raised. I, I, I mean, I, the country is so indoctrinated that I, I, I don't know. Uh, you're, you're absolutely yeah. right. No. So uh, we see that, uh, you know, the West has put a pr- placed unprecedented sanctions on Russia um, you know, probably stronger right now than Iran and North Korea combined. Um, do you think that will have an, any kind of effect on the Russian population? Because now it is their home. It is their jobs they're losing. And I mean, I heard the economic minister, the minister of labor, you know, she mm. basically <laughs> told Russians who were being laid off, like, oh, you're being liberated because <laughs> they're oh liberating Russians from work. Um, who obviously are going to be without a salary. Do you think now that it is reaching in every single person's household, whether it be the mortgage going up, whether it be salaries being uh, cut, or soon they'll probably not be able to be even paid like we saw during COVID, um, do you think that with a combination of being isolated and now, you know, basically, you know, Putin has really created the Russophobia because... uh, Right now, they're trapped in the country, not allowed to leave. And and if they do, the anger from the West, you know, especially for those supporting this regime is going to be, you know, a lot. So what do you think on that front? You think that will have well, yes, kind of- that I'm sure of, uh, because uh, the economic sanctions that have been put on Russia are unprecedented and they will affect uh prices on everything but first and foremost produce like food right groceries uh the prices have already Mm -hmm. gone up right not as much because um you know it's not enough time has passed so but it will go up of course we know that um and if you guys look at the um number of uh like well russia like the, the majority of russians are not middle class they're lower like lowest middle class and poor Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a year ago that was the Mm -hmm. official statistics 22 million of russians out of 146 million uh lived below the poverty line can you imagine below the poverty line 22 million people of russia official statistics uh so and like i believe i think it's like 60 also 60 percent are lower middle class so people with really really um uh, small salaries and their structure like their consume consumer structure like consumer spending structure is uh, so that they even today like before the war and the sanctions they spend 70 percent of their uh, money on food on groceries mm. To them, mm-hmm. even a fifty percent increase in increase in prices is already crucial. Just imagine what happens when the prices go up, you know, three times and more. So that is very important. Yes, Russian people are also like a notion. Russian people are very resilient. They're not used to any quality food. What they eat is just a shame. Trust me, I volunteered at a homeless shelter in Washington D.C. and homeless people in D.C. At that shelter, I serve better food than, uh, you know, regular Russian eats every day. They do Russian people, like they are used to it, right? So um, it not, it has nothing to do with America because in America, mm-hmm. yeah, like this spread between uh, good, like quality groceries and 
not quality groceries is huge, right? But even if you are like lower middle class, you can afford um, um, chicken, you can afford um, even steaks, you know, there are different steaks, right? At $4 or $40, but you know, you you have a range, no such thing in Russia. So meat is for the, the, the rich, uh, the poor, they don't eat that. But and, and everything will go up, right? Even the like, beloved sugar, which I don't understand, honestly. Yeah. Well, that seems to have been healthy. created artificially because of this crazy demand, because Russians heard, oh, like red, mm. red, you know, like somewhere, mm. they, they knew what's going on. They know what yeah. Russia is doing in Ukraine and they anticipate, you know, the prices to go up. So, yeah. So that I think will have a very strong effect. And I don't know, I don't really understand why Putin keeps doing what he is doing. He's probably is, you know, uh, like as I've been saying, he's, he's insane, like clinically insane. Some people disagree with me and say like, he's not clinically insane, but, but maybe, you know, if a doctor uh, sees him, he might not uh, detect psychophrenia. But yeah. Putin has been uh, informationally is isolated for years. So he lives in his artificially created reality, which, of course, ine- inevitably leads to uh, some sort of um, psychiatric disorder, which I think is the case for Putin. Because it's in, like you can live in, in, in today's world without knowing what's going on. Yeah. And he makes his decision based on the wrong information, which I actually, a little self-promotion, sorry. So five years ago, and my editor praised me for that. Five years ago, I wrote a piece uh, on the American interest where I, I used to be their contributing writer. The magazine doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. But um, so I, back then I wrote... Um, as, uh, like a separate piece it's called inside putin's echo chamber and i detailed you know with like concrete examples i detailed how putin is misinformed and he doesn't know what's going on he didn't know back then and of course it's worsened since then so to me that was i, I know that a lot of americans were actually amazed by that they had no idea I did because Putin doesn't use any piece of technology. He doesn't use a cell phone or something because he thinks it's traceable. Any piece of software that's installed on your iPhone or Android can be, you know, hacked. And he doesn't use that. He really read his news on paper. And if he needs, you know, to be shown a movie or something like a film, they would use uh, whatever, like a, disc or a flash card sd card whatever yeah which that's that there are reports to that and he well putin honestly believes that the internet is a cia project so so yeah uh okay yeah so maybe that's why that's so (laughs) that's uh, what's going to bury, bury Putin, I think, uh, in the end, uh, because he doesn't know what's going on. He has no idea how his economy works. He really thinks so, reported uh, that um, the, what's the word for it, Olga? Help me out. Um, like uh, import replacement. Like, you know, there was this program they started in 2014 when the first san- sanctions uh, came out that, you know, we're going to replace all the imports with our own production, 
our own Russian production. Well, it turns out that, mm-hmm. you know, if they needed to produce a tea, like a cattle, they would produce it in Russia, but all the elements and parts of the, you know, the, uh, yes, out. they were yeah. imported. That's what, what, what yeah. happened. That's, that's right. So if you take yeah. that out, those pieces out, the Russian economy will collapse. And that, like Gleb Pavlovsky, mm-hmm. um, has a great formula to that, that Russia, Russian system is a, is a system that uses global elements wired in. <laughs> and if you take them out, right. it, it will just, you know, collapse. And it yeah, collapses. yeah, 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 actually, that's, that's actually the difference I keep making between this and the Soviet mm. Union because with the Soviet Union, everything was domestic. Everything, you know, they were cut off from the West, whereas here, as much as they continue to still paint the West as the main enemy and the biggest threat ever, like in Soviet days, their money is here, their parts yep. to everything is bought from the West and from just globally. Like there's nothing they produce. That's right. No, they do produce something, but it's not yeah. a domestic, nothing. like only, you know, place of product. It's like, you know, when you go to, if you ever notice, if you ever go to Trader Joe's, Assembly. if you shop for, um, try, yeah. take a look at the back of the uh, pine nuts. So sometimes it says product, uh, product of China. Sometimes it says product of Russia. Well, guess what? Like there is no, there's no pine trees in China. Of course, a- any, you know, like every single kernel of a pine nut yeah. uh, that it says, that says Chinese comes from Russia. So ch- the Chinese <laughs> buy or like, get, yeah. take for free from Russia and they sell it to the United States. Sometimes, yeah. you know, they use like the United States uses uh, the direct Russia uh, product. So, but yes, it's packed in America, but it's not an American product, right? It's only packed here. But <laughs> like yeah. nobody is making, yeah. you know, a big deal of, out of it. They, nobody says, oh, well, the, the, those are yeah. our American pine nuts. So Putin, I believe he honestly doesn't know what's going on because, well, he's not a very smart person. Let's be clear. Um, and he, he's never been, he's mm. not a very well-read person. His brain just you know, he wasn't born with a strong brain, uh, with a strong intellect. Uh, he's not an intellectual. Yeah, that's right. And he, and he's yeah, always, exactly. you know, lied to. Exactly. And, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, he's in a very poor um, intellectual condition, I think. So he, he doesn't know what's going on, but it is going on. And there is, I don't, I don't know, they had some hopes for China and I think that surprisingly, people in the Far East, in Russia's Far East, will be better off than those in the, you know, European uh, part of the country. Because in the Far East, China is already, mm. you know, there. There's already Chinese um, yeah. products and Chinese groceries, yeah, yeah. Chinese everything. Yeah. The Chinese are already there, but they're not in Moscow. Yeah. You know, I've never seen even you know, a Chinese grocery store in Moscow, which is a very normal thing in America. In you know every big city, you can find an Indian yeah. grocery store, Korean. In DC, we have like yeah. you know big Korean, Chinese, yeah. whatever. In Russia, no such thing ever existed. I know Indian, yeah, one there was one Indian store that was more like you know not even a store or something, not a grocery, not a supermarket. So yeah. The Russian people will starve, yeah. and that's what what's going to drive them. You know, m- maybe. But I, yeah. I'm not sure if there's going to be you know wide protests or something. But what I do know, 
is that uh, when the polls um, start showing that the Russian people don't support Putin anymore, which means it, it that, you know, it doesn't even require those millions to pour into the streets. It only requires to not, you know, be to have this paper that says they are not supportive. Then the elites or the KGBists, I still call them the KGBists because that's what, who they are. They can do their coup d'état, and mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. I think will happen, I, I'm one hundred percent sure. A democratic regime is not going to uh, replace Putin's regime. I don't even think that we'll see a Putin, like a, the, the regime change. We'll see the head of this regime change, of course. Putin will, he'll go, that's for sure. It's just a matter of, I don't know, months, not even years. I, my estimate, mm. my estimate. I don't know, I might be wrong. But yeah. someone will replace him, but it's going to be another bad person. Yeah, same thing. The person who Same probably thing. it depends on right. who exactly replaces him. If it's if it's the FSB, like a guy from the FSB, they are not interested in interested in this war because they've um, they've been the Krisha, uh, the um, mm. the the mafia who controls and gets a cut from everything yeah, inside fall. Russia, mm. all the financial flaws and stuff. So mm-hmm. when it's all cut, they are not interested. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because, you know, who hasn't put on COVID pounds? And it's become part of my morning routine. It's one scoop in the water and I shake it up and then I start my day that way. And I'm feeling so much better. I sleep better. It has all the vitamins, 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. They send you the whole kit with the bottle so you don't have to do anything except pour one scoop into the bottle. They provide add water and shake it up. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immunosupporting vitamin D and five packs, five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Kremlin file. And again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Kremlin file to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So let's try to talk about FSB again without <laughs> kicking you yeah, out. So no, my point is, I mean, I... I... I think if an FSB guy replaces Putin, they will uh, try to end the war and they will try to make up with the West mm. uh, somehow, you know, like at oh. least look negotiable or something. I'm not sure if the West is going to buy that. I'd rather I hope not. not. Mm-hmm. I hope and not. And then maybe after. Yeah, because even, even Karina, everybody put so much into Medvedev. Everybody, oh, look at him. Oh, he was a president. Look at him today. The statements coming out are... Yeah, but he wasn't, he wasn't I mean, like that. Okay? You know, it's and like... Uh, he, he, he wasn't like that. And I listened, okay, who said that? Okay, it was Sergei Pugachev. He, you cannot, you know, trust that guy too much, but he might know something. So he said that Medvedev actually once told his people at, you know, in the middle of the night, his, you know, circle that, don't worry, Putin is not coming back. And that was the beginning of uh, uh-huh. Medvedev's end, which, uh-huh. okay, Medvedev 
didn't used to be what he is now. And I think that Putin really uh, tried to destroy him. I think that he saw what Medvedev did at this uh, uh, United Security Council um, vote on Libya. It was a betrayal. And I think that Medvedev's, you know, direction, his friendship with Obama and his clear direction to this, you know, like normal European, European, Europeanized, Europeanized country was a betrayal. And I think that Putin, uh, because he's a very vindictive man, and I think that he punished Medvedev. I'm not sure how, but Medvedev is humiliated and he's humiliating himself, probably trying to buy the forgiveness of Putin. So I wouldn't listen, you know, much into what he has to say now because he's just a, you know, a pathetic man, a drunk. He tried. You cannot, you cannot, you know, <laughs> let's give him a credit. He tried. He failed. He should have, you know, resisted. But he, he tried. There were elites, some elites were behind Medvedev. And they really, mm. so like a lot of people didn't want Putin to come back. That's for sure. Mm. And Medvedev had that support. But then... I mean, so that's an interesting question. So Medvedev was the president. He could give an order, a presidential order. He could fire Putin. He could get him yeah. arrested or something. Yeah. Okay, but again, he probably was scared that he would, maybe there was, you know, in, 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 among his uh, security, his like presidential security, the FSO, FSO were, were some guys uh, placed there by Putin, right. you know, who could any minute, poison him or whatever right. Putin is capable yeah. of anything so yeah so now Medvedev is just a joke but he tried okay. he tried he tried <laughs> yeah. Actually, I mean I don't hate him that much yeah I don't hate him yeah. I don't I don't despise him that much it's just he can literally you know he can take seriously what he has to say now it's just like who's that yeah okay okay <laughs> actually talking about the FSB and about like the belling cat right because you had no uh, mentioned uh Christo. Have you been following the new developments of the information that was found oh, about Yeah, Lensoff? I follow everything. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I probably, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, Tell sure. us about no, the latest. Yeah. What Krista said and what Bellingcat uncovered is, again, is not surprising. Of course, uh, the FSB followed Nemtsov, but the, the, I, I think that the revelation was that it was not the political, like a regular... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, following it was just this particular squad within the fsb that is responsible for killing and stuff boris Nemtsov was a very 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 loved opposition figure Mm -hmm. against putin i mean he really he united a lot of people he um you know he was just he was he was a very enigmatic figure and he um you know putin couldn't handle it and he actually had more popularity than yes. Navalny. I think wow. he grabbed a lot more people and different groups of people, yeah. you know, building like, you know, having that support than Navalny. And I mean, and then that's it. And Putin murdered him. And, and yeah, which again, who are you going to surprise with the fact that the FSB is doing killings? Oh, wow. Yes, that's what they do. We're living, by the way. And at the same time, he was working on the Magnitsky Act, and he was also working on releasing a report um, because he was uh, very against Russia's invasion and annexation of Crimea and Ukraine. He was against the war. He would organize protests against the war. So he um, was working on releasing a report on it, and then 
you know, between the Magnitsky Act and his very vocal opposition to Russia's invasion, you know, he was murdered in front of the Kremlin, basically executed. executed. And I think that, you know, the the method that they Mm -hmm. chose, this execution, was, again, the mafia style. Because they... Putin, that's a very well-known fact that he sees, you know, like he probably saw Nemtsov as a traitor, even though Nemtsov, because Nemtsov used to work for the government. He used to be in the uh, mm-hmm. late 90s. He used to be uh, the prime minister, right? V- vice prime minister, vice prime minister, mm-hmm. right? And he wanted like, yeah, vice. well, actually, uh, Yeltsin was thinking uh, about Nemtsov as, he, you know, his next oh. prime minister. And yeah, okay. yeah, the, it's a famous episode when Nemtsov showed up at the airport when uh, some foreign um, um, uh, guy, like a leader, uh, was coming. Mm-hmm. And Nemtsov went there to meet him. And he wore just, you know, like linen, I guess, white linen pants. Mm. And uh, mm. this idiotic drunk Yeltsin was very pissed off by the fact that Nimsov dares show up, you know, wearing those inappropriate pants. Uh, by the way, for the record. He couldn't even stand, uh, Yeltsin couldn't even that's stand on the r- stage right. without tumbling yeah, well, over from out. I was just going to say, coming wear, from Yeltsin, you know, that's pretty, uh, linen that's, pants. Linen that's pretty pants. rich. Yeah, no, yeah, it was exactly. it was in the movie, exactly. in the documentary about Boris Nemtsov. It's very, you know, it's a very well-known mm-hmm. fact. So Boris Nemtsov was part of the government, but he was not, you know, part of a Putin team or something. He couldn't, he couldn't be... Right. Like no. a traitor, possibly, because he's always been on the other side ideologically. And but Putin probably, you know, saw that as that. And uh, I don't know. Uh, probably we all as are traitors. Right. So, for instance, I right. advocate for sanctions against Russia, of course, heavily. Am I a traitor? But do you guys remember when Nemtsov was murdered, there was this active measure, uh, what's, what's called active active uh, measure, yeah, an active measure by the FSB, mm-hmm. when people who are unfortunately are being uh, considered as an as opposition, like Senia Sobchak. Uh, who oh, is Senia she? Sobchak. Yeah, oh. who is she? Oh, she's the daughter. She's the daughter of um, uh, Anatoly Sobchak, who used to be the St. Petersburg mayor. Mm -hmm. And Putin used to work for Sobchak. And that's when Putin was the head of this department. That was the Department of Foreign Affairs of St. Petersburg. And then, yes, and then Putin oversaw the... the major, the largest uh, narco narco traffic mm-hmm. from Cali, mm-hmm. the Colombian cartel, through Saint Petersburg seaport to the rest of Russia. Mm-hmm. Putin oversaw that, and then uh, Sobchak, Anatoly Sobchak, suddenly died in Paris. Right? He, from uh. what I remember, he had dinner with Putin. Um, of course, who always have food poisoning. Oh, that's right. And then Putin right. sent him to campaign. Oh, yeah. yeah. To those oh, uh, yes. towns, and then he was campaigning, and then he died, and then he yeah, died yeah, 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 yeah. So she was part of this cover-up operation when she would go out and say out loud, "Oh, Putin was mad that you know when he found out that Nimsov was murdered, he was mad and mad." So it, it was an active measure, a cover-up you know, to cover up that he was behind it. Because, of course, if he was mad, he didn't know and he didn't want it, of course. And Sobchak was part of that. I mean, this woman... 
I can't understand. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't understand. Well, he killed. Okay. Like I don't he killed understand. her father, but well, he gave her father understand. a seat at the yeah. Senate, uh, Soviet Soviet Federation, yeah. which is in Sobchak, has been doing great. I and that was like one of the first, like you know, poisonings right around the time. And then we got into the. I think I don't remember. No, the apartment building bombings happened right after that. Yeah, yeah, no, Sobchak died before, before, yeah, uh, yeah the apartment building bombings. And then there was another one yeah. from St. Petersburg, uh, Roman Tapalov, no, Roman, Roman, Roman. Tsepov, he, um, was, uh, he was, uh, you know, a huge mob figure in St. Petersburg. And one day in like 2000, I think three, he decided to give an interview to a local article saying, oh, yeah, he protected, provided, like, like bodyguard protection yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. to Putin. And then, um, like, soon after, he went to have uh, lunch with his FSB friends that he's known forever and um, died. And that was probably the first polonium poisoning that we knew of besides, yeah. before Litvinenko. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. That was right. before Litvinenko. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mean, we just don't have like a you know uh, yeah. proof. But I mean, I think if uh, Sobchak's body, no, it's probably this type of poisoning doesn't leave any trace. That's that's the beauty of it. That's why they use it uh, so often. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's absolutely Putin style, and yeah, they uh, they love poison. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Unless they want to, you know, send a clear message. That's when they use something really, like, showing up, like, you know, because they could have poisoned Boris Nemtsov easily. Why yeah. not? The, Boris was yeah. very, uh, a, a very open, they, they, you they know, murdered him. Uh, yeah. person. Yeah, it was yeah. it was a yeah. an execution. It was an execution. So yeah, I'm a, I mean I'm not part of Russia. I I still unfortunately am a Russian citizen. I would love to burn my a Russian passport, but I can't do that because I don't have any other citizenship, and any I can't be a, a person without citizenship, right? Yeah. So, but, but yeah. once I get one, I'll burn it. I don't want I don't want to have anything yeah. to do with Russia. And a funny story. So, my last name. Uh, is Orlova. It's a very Russian-sounding uh, last name. But my father is Armenian. That's why there is a confusion with this name mm. because, you know, my name is also Armenian. It's Karine, which was also very, mm. very Armenian-sounding uh, name. And I was because r the Russians have always been very racist, like towards Armenians, Georgians. They would call them mm. a Chernozhope, which Everybody. is an equivalent to an to the N word, and you know, and I was ashamed of being half Armenian, and I was ashamed of my father, and you know, I was just all, all constantly ashamed of being who I am, and uh, so that's why I, you know, I tried to hide my real name, and that's why I wanted people to call mm. me Karina. Karina is like more or less Russian, like you cannot, you know, it's not Armenian at least. Yeah. And yeah. as to my last name. So my mother, back in 1985, she chose to uh, give me her last name because she thought that I will be, uh, you know, easier off or better off with a Russian last name, just, you know, for that uh, particular reason of racism. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Guess that's, what? That's Guess what? Now I had better change 
my name to my Armenian name. Now I'd, yeah. I'd rather have my father's last name. You'd rather have that. <laughs> to, to exactly. Sound, yeah. Uh, Russian, yeah. Yeah. Where do you see this going? Like to wrap up, where do you see this going? What do you see? Because there's a, there is still a percentage of Russians, you know, who were born uh, towards the end of the Soviet Union or right at the turn of the Soviet Union and honestly don't understand one, these, uh, this repression two the loss of PlayStation and, <laughs> and, you know, and like, iPhones that's going to eventually right now they have their existing ones but you know the loss of western products that they're so used to have this uh, having despite trashing the west where do you see it going between Putin who you know is committing atrocities on the world stage to the point that I mean nobody can ignore uh, with his generals and his thugs uh, in Ukraine uh, the uh, sanctions the Western companies pulling out and, you know, and this very strict repression of now creating, because I mean, in the Soviet Union, it was, it was a very paranoid society. Like, you know, you like couldn't, you know, you always, you didn't know who to trust, not your family member, not your neighbor, no one. Um, And this is where it's heading right back. I mean, it's been, going this way but now we see it really escalating as Putin like moves to cleanse Russia out of Russians mm. as he's cleansing Ukrainians Ukraine. out of uh, mm. in Ukraine so where do you see this all heading I don't know guys honestly I'm very pessimistic on that because okay. I'm 36 I was born in 1985 so I was not a pioneer or comfortable or something and I graduated law school of at that time, the most liberal and the most progressive universities in Russia, uh, the High School of Economics, Vishka. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and um, when the war broke, I decided to check on my um, former classmates, um, mm. what they had to say about it. They were all lawyers. Okay, so lawyers, uh, like I presumed, you know, to like know better than anybody else because, you know, yeah, sure. I mean, it's the law. It's the basis. Silence, complete silence. Wow. Not a person, not a person spoke. Uh, you know, spoke. Um, spoke up against it. And um, well, a lot of them, of course, uh, work f- for the government. Some work for you know big law law firms. But this generation is lost. So, like, don't hope for those people because. It's been uh, almost 15 years since we graduated and these people have their lives established and uh, they're, okay, 15 years is enough to get um, used to be what it requires to succeed in Russia and to maybe get indoctrinated or to maybe, you know, become such a, like, um, a, a person who says, I'm, I, I, I don't see it. I never saw the smoke, you know, yeah. I was... Uh, looking the other way, the other well, way. you know, that's yeah. who they are. So that lost a lot of young people. Honestly, I don't know, but I know there are a lot of bad and, you know, rotten people among them as well. Those people who, you know, go work for the FSB or go to the FSB Academy. There is one, by the way. And um, I don't know. And when you um, see those video polls, like, you know, strict street talk, um, 
mm-hmm. a lot of young people would, you know, say the same that, oh, we're going to, you know, survive uh, on our own. We don't need the West. Uh, the, the world is against us. There are, you know, different opinions or the opposite opinions, but it's not, it would be very naive and too optimistic to just think that, oh, it's just a group of people that um, takes the entire country hostage. Unfortunately not. Absolutely. And that's what people fail to understand. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, uh, uh, the problem with with Russia goes back, I mean, centuries. Right. This is just yeah. what's in the blood. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's, it's just, I mean, if it was easy enough to put it on Putin mm-hmm. or Brezhnev or, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, Lenin or Stalin, but I mean, it's always. But what is interesting, I mean, I mean, hopefully... <laughs> Um, you know, as much as there is loyalty, they very quickly know how to turn on each other. So maybe if Putin allows someone, um, you know, next to him, then maybe they'll take care of that. (laughs) All right, Karina. So you're going to come back, right, Karina? You're going to come back at some point. Thank you. To your podcast. Yes. To Russia. Hey, everybody, if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and please visit our website, kremlinfile.com. This is a Bunker Crew Media production hosted by Olga Lautman and me, Monique Marra, with executive producers Marley Clements, Jack Bryan, Grant DeSimone, Ben Brett, and Jordi Micellis of Midas Media, with associate producers Ruby Franco and Sarah Metz. Theme music by Oreste Camarra. Sound editing and mixing by Joy Ellett. Subscribe to Kremlin File wherever you listen to podcasts.